Well, thanks for jumping on board the ASX Market Goss podcast. For no more than 30 minutes, we're going to dig a little deeper with ASX listed small cap companies, their focus, the future, the highs and lows, and what next. Part of the conversation is to get to know our guests at a personal level, their experiences, mentors, slips and slides, even down to their coffee of choice and life away from the share price and investment decision making. Our first guest in the ASX market goes hot seat is Fleeter Solomon, a seasoned campaigner in the corporate and consumer health market, has a background in startups and is now the CEO of Little Green Pharma. That's Pharma, P-H-A-R-M-A, leaders in medical cannabis care in Australia, ASX code L-G-P. Welcome. Tim, thank you for having me. Really excited to be here today. Are you a tad nervous? Because I am, because I'm... I'm going into a really foreign space. I love that. I didn't think you'd be nervous at all, but no, I'm not because this is my world. I live and breathe it. Um, if you had your time and you were back at school, of course, um, St Hilda's, would you say I'm the Cannabis Queen of Australia and would that <laughs> title fit comfortably with your friends and teachers? Oh, I, I don't think there would be anyone that would be more surprised than myself. Like it is. I can't believe you pulled that out straight away. Um, that's right. Imagine telling St Hilda's that I'm the cannabis queen. It wouldn't have gone down very well. I, I couldn't further imagine that I would be doing what I'm doing now. It's just remarkable how life takes you uh, down a certain path. We're going to find out that over the next few minutes in regards to how someone gets involved in that. But is it a space that is untapped? And if you'd like to give us a snapshot exactly what you're growing and why you're growing it. Yeah, sure. So Little Green Pharma, uh, we were the first company in Australia to produce locally grown cannabis medicines for patient use. And look, the real purpose that we exist and, and the vision and the, the reason we started or I started the business is because I, I witnessed a girl, a young child suffering 70 seizures a day, um, epilepsy, and she was very resistant to any other treatment options. Now, when they did access cannabis and it was through the black market at the time her seizures stopped and went from zero to four and it was then that I realized that my goodness look how many lives could be changed by legally producing this medicine and that is the sole purpose that it was started if we could help just one more life then that would be, be incredible. So it was a real social impact opportunity, um, but alongside that there, there grew an, a commercial opportunity as well. A lot of what we're going to talk about and what we do here on, on ASX Market Goss is educate myself, and hopefully that is an education for those who are listening to the podcast. Is this marijuana cannabis that we grow, people can grow in their shed with a couple of lights, is it as simple as that? Look, you can certainly grow cannabis wherever you want to grow, but in terms of a pharmaceutical grade cannabis medicine, then no. It's and look, I didn't come from a background of cannabis at all, and so I, you know, had to start from the very beginning. But look, the testing regime that we have to go through, you know, this is a pharmaceutical drug at the end of the day. Even though it's a natural plant medicine, it still has to be this consistent, safe, high quality medicine. It's like when you pop a pill, you know that you're getting the same thing. Even just a Panadol, you know you're getting the same thing time and time again, and the same with the cannabis medicines, except it's really hard to have a stable and consistent medicine in a botanical, in a plant. 
has its own mind. So it is very different. We can't use you know, any contaminant or pesticides. It has to be indoors um, for, for our purpose, for what we're doing, because it has to have this same consistency in terms of the active ingredients that are within the plant. Uh, and then, of course, the testing regime that the TGA, so our Therapeutic Goods Administration, uh, it's very strict regime. That regime, again, stand corrected on this, but is that every plant measured, every leaf measured, height, weight, where does that stop? And, and oh, is that serious? Is that how extreme it is? And who does that testing? Yeah, so every single plant we have is actually barcoded. And we need to measure every leaf uh, to make sure that we can be accountable for any of the waste product. And that's that comes from the Federal Office of Drug Control, who look after the security of the cannabis. Just We're to not make just sure. throwing the waste into an incinerator and just uh, <laughs> standing around, around. Stand around having a few swan lagers, are we? <laughs> Do you know, funnily enough, we did have an incineration process at first, but we've now gone to a more sustainable um, process, which is uh, <laughs> composting. And look, they're very strict, extremely strict. And they're they were very worried, particularly in the early days, about even staff or unwanted guests arriving at the facility. So we needed to measure everything and barcode. Um, but in terms of the actual testing for the medicine, we have to test uh, the plant at the end of its life cycle. So just before it's getting harvested, we test it. We test it pre-manufacturing and then post-manufacturing to make sure that all of the um, constituents involved or that are contained in the medicine are the same time and time again. Growing up at uh, my primary school in the western suburbs, we used to grow radishes. That was our big thing. And we'd, we'd come home with a bunch of radishes and say, Mum, this is what we grew in our market garden out there at the primary school. So I'm, I'm not au fait with that. Do these plants have a life cycle after one go? Or do, you, do they come and go and you replant and you can only have a certain limit at, at the growing facility? Great question. So we have a number of, at our facility here in Western Australia, we have nine different grow rooms. And one of the rooms is sort of a mother room where we have our mother stock or our mother plants. And we actually have a nursery as well. And so what we do to ensure the consistency so that the same person, if somebody is suffering uh, from seizures and using cannabis oil, we need to make sure they're getting the same strain and the, exactly the same medicine. So we do that through cloning. So we have mother stock in the mother room and we take cuttings and then we put them into the nursery. And once they're a little <laughs> bit older, we can put them into the into the um, the veggie rooms where they actually stay for most of their their time. And depending on what time of the cycle it is, and it's usually about 12 weeks later, um, they flower. We produce different lighting to make sure that the flowers come out. So what my, my, most people would probably know as a bud. And that's exactly what we're after because we're after the trichomes, this really, beautiful oils that come on top of these flower or, or on the buds and that's the oil that we're really after because that's what houses the active ingredients that have such a um can have such a profound effect in the medical field. ASX Market Goss Podcast, you're listening to Fleeta Solomon from Little Green Farmer LGPs, the ASX Code. Uh, have you are you learning on the run yourself? Because you talk about you would never have picked this as a career path uh, working in this space. Um, you you have to be educated in this space and it's happened pretty quickly because do I go back five or six years that this is the launch when the license was approved and I can imagine there being a few battles to get the license in the first place but how's the education process for you as well oh it's still unfolding we're all still learning you know this 
It was legalised in Australia for medical use in 2016 and then at the start of 2017 is when I met an elderly man actually who introduced me to this child who was suffering seizures and he happened to um, be a great connector and knew somebody who was already in hemp farming so knew how to grow the can the cannabis plant because that's not something that I knew how to do. Um, so we were sitting sort of on a park bench actually down at Yelling Up and when he was telling me this story it was right then and there that I said wow I wonder if we could actually grow some cannabis plants right here in WA turn them into a medicine and actually have patients benefiting from it and it was then that the idea was born. But at that stage, only two licenses in Australia had been given out to grow cannabis plants. So there was no road book. There was no map book as to how this is done. So we had to work really closely with the Office of Drug Control and the TGA to really map out what this was going to look like. So I had no experience, nobody did. You couldn't even hire anybody with experience apart from growers of cannabis and the amount of calls we got saying, I'm very experienced with growing <laughs> cannabis plants. Oh, um, and yet at the time, five years ago or six years ago, the Office of Drug Control would not allow us to hire anybody with previous experience mm. unless mm. they came from a legal uh, a country or a jurisdiction where it was legal. Um, so that that's, was really interesting, but that's all fallen by the wayside now and they're much easier to work with. They really understand that, look, it's not a bigger threat to the community as what they originally thought. Um, but yes, look, we're still learning every day. It's, uh, it's a huge a learning curve for everybody involved in the industry. And it is seed to sale. You used that uh, in our uh, preamble we were chatting, and, and seed to sale is a is a wonderful line. I don't even know if it's a catch cry that you use it, Little Green Farmer, but uh, just tell us a bit about that process from, from seed to sale. How long is that process? Yeah, so we, uh, I, I, again, because there weren't any other companies that did this, it was all very new, we had to do it ourselves. So some groups, uh, depending on your industry, might decide to work in a certain activity in the supply chain. But we didn't have that luxury. We didn't have that choice. We had to do it all ourselves. So we had to actually import seeds from overseas. And that was a process in itself. Um, we had to navigate the import pathway for a narcotic, even though it was a seed. And of course, you've got um, the agriculture and biocon that had to make sure that the seeds are safe to bring into Australia. So once we've got the bank of seeds, so we have a safe full of uh, wonderful different genetics and seeds, we then uh, would grow the seeds to mother plants. And that usually would take, um, oh, let's call it a 12-week cycle. But we choose the best mother stock. So the mother stock are the plants that look the healthiest, produce the best cannabinoids, amongst other things. And we corner them, we put them into another room, and we actually use those mother plants um, for the next year for the same medicines because we need to make sure that the cannabinoids and the active ingredients are as similar as possible and you get that from the same genetic. Uh, and then once we transfer uh, the cuttings, then it's probably yeah, about a 12-week process. By the time we turn on the lights, get them into a um, into the veggie rooms where the flower, we um, put different lights, we use LED lighting and we change the spectrum and that induces flowering in these plants. And it's really once the flowers are at the maximum where they've got all these trichomes and these beautiful oil that sits on, on the top of the flower, that's when we actually harvest and then there's another couple of weeks for, for drying and then a turnaround process and then we manufacture and there's another couple of weeks. 
Is this true that if someone wants to come down, and whether it's media coverage or someone wants to view the facility, one, they're met somewhere, they've got a hood put over their head and they don't know the address or the whereabouts? Is this fact? Fact, yes. Wow. Except the hood bit. We don't put a hood on. What do you do? I just put a blindfold on. I just, the, one of the airline... She's got SAS have, Australia yeah, yeah. all over we, it. We have a collection of eye masks that we collect when we go travel internationally. So, um, no, we just use eye masks. But, and you um, don't... So the address is unknown? Yes, yes. Apart from staff who would know that. Yes, that's what right. What about departing staff? How... how uh, and I'm only thinking doom and gloom, you know, oh, yeah, I know where that place is, and they get to their mates, oh, I used to work there, or I know someone... And then they tell their mates and all of a sudden word spreads and everyone knows, oh, that's over there. Is there any fear in that? or And how do you control your staff, your exiting staff in regards to their knowledge? Look, it, it is the world's worst kept secret where we are down south. Everybody in the community knows. Um, and so, look, it is, it's a formality that we have to do for guests just to, and it really just shows to them and gives them an understanding about how seriously we take the medicinal cannabis industry. And so, um, you know, as much as it's probably not as needed as much as it used to when we first started in the industry, it really does show visitors that, listen, this company are very, um, they're, they're, they're strict, they're down the straight and narrow when they take it seriously. Um, but being in terms of the community, I think most people down there would know what we're doing. But it's actually a really lovely community feel because they're almost protecting um, the operation and they're actually quite proud that the first Australian cannabis medicines came from that facility. And you've also expanded because I said the Denmark acquisition, did I get that right? Yes, that's yeah, correct. That's, and that's massive. Yes, it is. So the facility down in the southwest of WA does about three tonne of cannabis biomass every year. That's the capacity that it can do. But we came into a... Um, a good problem whereby we needed to expand because we were basically selling everything that we had, not only into the Australian domestic market, but also into the German market. And thanks to our German clients, and that's thanks to the TGA and our strict regime, because we're one of the few countries that can export into Europe mm. because they recognise our quality of our manufacturing standards and there's a mutual recognition agreement. So we're compliant with the EU. And so it puts Australia in a really great position. Uh, and so we were very fortunate to become the first exporter in Australia and Germany loved our flower so much that we needed to expand. By that time, we knew that if we wanted to get a return on investment, then it became a more of a commercial opportunity. And we realised that thanks to our fabulous investor base, if we wanted to get to that uh, economies of scale, we probably needed another facility. And in the market where we wanted to be, which was Europe, which is up and coming. So that's when uh, it was very fortunate that we came across the Danish facility. It was already set up with all the bells and whistles, from a previous owner that we purchased it from, uh, except this one can do 30 tonne of cannabis biomass. So 11 huge greenhouses that each house up to 5,000 cannabis plants. Um, and so we have, that's been 18 months now since that acquisition, we've streamlined the operations and it's producing the most beautiful flower. So here we are with an operation in the Southern Hemisphere to look after Australia and APAC region. And then we've got our Northern Hemisphere uh, facility, which will look after Europe in the coming years. 
what we're going to do here on ASX Market Goss is also, and it's been an incredible eye-opener even in the short time we've been sitting down here on the podcast, but we are going to get to know the people a little bit. So it's a little bit personal now, so you're right to go? Absolutely, you bet. Coffee of choice? Latte. Mm. Almond? I, I switch between oatmeal. Soy? And sometimes soy, for sure. But probably, yeah, probably, yeah, oatmeal. You're ready to go to work. Yes. What's the first thing you do when you get your work head on? What's the first thing you do for the business? I guess I walk in and the first thing I do is have a look at the people's face, all our staff members. So when I walk in, I can see everybody. How many staff? In the West Perth office, we have about 20, about 20 staff there. And I can just tell from everybody's faces what's happening on that day. Yeah, that's the first thing I do. I like it. Do you read? Yes. What sort of what sort of literature are we reading? Yeah, generally I'll read um, books such as mainly related to business, but certainly Malcolm Gladwell books. I read a lot of that. I read, um, uh, you know, there's a book called Play Bigger. Uh, a lot of inspiring business books. Work-life balance. Have you got it right? Yes. Is yes, that something you? went about to make sure you did have it right? I had to, yeah. I had to change my choices. And I, having, being the CEO of an ASX listed company was very daunting for me. I have always always come from private companies and not been in the spotlight. And you have investors calling all the time and you just have to be on call 100% of the time. And I did find I could do it for a few years and then after that, I really started to struggle um, with mental with mental health. Yep. Not, I mean, completely fine, but more just, look, my family is so important. So I actually made that decision to make sure that I have the weekends to myself. Um, I now put my phone onto silent or notifications, you know, um, at a certain time at night. So it's quarter to 10, my phone will go off. And so uh, I'll just make myself not available. Of course, if it's urgent, people know how to ca- catch me in an emergency. And of course, I'm there. But I do make sure that I have the weekends off. And I bought a horse recently um, for that very reason, to make me go on the weekends out to my parents' farm up in Gijiganup and get back to nature. Um, I've always ridden, well, early on in my life. And so now I'm treating that as my, this is what I need to do. And I'm just loving being back on top of a horse again. Tell me the horse. What's the horse's background? Oh, she's an ex-race horse, an ex-trotter, actually. Her name's Twilight Spirit. She's just beautiful. The most, just such a kind horse. And and it's one of those things that even just spending a little bit of time with her, even just patting her in the paddock, I can come back on a Sunday night to Perth and say, I've just had a holiday and my brain is just completely refreshed and ready for the next week. Incredible. They're an incredible animal. Yes. They really are. Yeah. Um, so that sort of com- encompasses exactly what I was going to ask you in regards to downtime. So, yes. you, so you, you, you read, you get away, you ride the horse. What's your one extravagance? Do you have an extravagance that you sort of, you know, is, is it as simple as shopping? Is it as oh. simple as travelling? Is it fast cars? Look, that's interesting. I mean, the horse is extravagant. They cost a, a yeah, fortune. And so the horse has become my thing. Yeah, um, that's cool. I, look, yes, I, I, I quite like cars, but I, yeah, no extravagance. I guess I don't really have time for that at the moment because it's just focused on work. But um, certainly, certainly the farm is where I spend yeah, a lot of the energy. Where do you see Little Green Farmer in five years' time? Do you, have, do you have a goal? Do you have something, do you have that set? 
in your mindset in regards to the business? Yes, the end game, which I would love to see for Little Green Farmer, is the development of a novel technology which will actually change the game in terms of how cannabis or the active ingredients in cannabis medicines is absorbed by the human body. So at the moment in the market, there's a lot of flour products that are either smoked or vaped, um, but also extract oils, which are uh, measured through a syringe dose. But these are very generic forms. And what I would love to see is more of a personalised medicine and something that's just really unique that you can protect. And it would then become very attractive to hopefully a larger pharmaceutical company that then has the funds and the really deep pockets and experience to take cannabis medicines to where it needs to go, which is in the R&D space and the clinical trial space. Two more questions for you. We appreciate your time. Um, The young lady that you mentioned, the young child who had the, the seizures, how are they doing? And is it a continual process of of using the product to, for, for peace of mind and, and medical satisfaction for them? Yeah, so the last that I heard, and it was probably going back a year or, year or so ago now, is that she, with access to medicinal cannabis, was completely fine. So between zero and, and four seizures a day, um, the child does have brain, brain damage, and with every seizure, it was getting worse. Um, and so, But it definitely helped. And so she continues, as far as I'm aware, to, to take that, medicine and that product um, and there was a, sorry a second part to that question was that no that's no that, that was it yeah and you, but that must give you enormous satisfaction and I'm sure you get plenty of case studies that come across your desk and you sound so invested in it personally it's not just I'm the CEO and let you go do your thing you, I'm sure you thrive on on, on feedback uh, do you just get endless great stories and do you also get may I maybe be so uh uh, negative, do you get stories that it hasn't worked and doesn't work for some? Of course, absolutely. Um, look, cannabis is not a panacea for everything. It's it's like any drug. It can work for some people and when it does, it's life-changing. And for other people, there is zero response and sometimes some negative effects. Um, when you look at the uh, perhaps some of the negative indications that can happen or the effects of medicine, it can be headaches, nausea. But when you look at the negative effects that cannabis can have in comparison to some of the other medicines that people are using, which can cause cancers and heart disease and things. It's very minor in the grand scheme of things. But look, I, this is such a challenging industry. You know, this is a pharmaceutical medicine. You're playing sort of right up there with the big guys. And there are so many challenges and and look, it, it can get us down, but it is the one thing that keeps us going. And it's the reason why we do what we do is the patient feedback and the people that we can help and we can change. Um, We just had a doctor last night who wrote an email saying, I just wanted to let you know that this particular patient of mine has been having tremors all her life. Nothing has changed. We tried her on your medicine and she is tremor free. And not only that, she can speak, she can work. And I've never seen a medicine work so well. And it was just so beautiful to hear that because there aren't many times that a doctor would reach out to say that. A patient might, but to have a doctor to come back and say, I've never seen anything so incredible. But again, it's not for everybody. And I've had some people that will say, um, uh, look, I can't, haven't noticed anything. Um, thanks anyway, but I'll, I'll move on. And that's fine. But 
if it's just one person's life that we can change, then that is huge and that is exactly why we exist. And fortunately now we are transforming the lives of thousands of people, not just in Australia, but actually around the world with our Australian-grown medicines. And, and that's a wonderful feeling. When you get feedback like that, does it give you goosebumps? Absolutely. I've, I get them now talking talking to you. So just in summary, it's not just for pain. As much as probably in that space, it's probably 60% for people who are suffering pain. A friend of mine is even inquiring about where to go now for the next stage of trying to get over some pain. A colleague of mine... But it is also in the mental health space, and we all, I think, very few of us are not touched by someone or ourselves who are dealing with that, and this works for that? Look, it certainly has a role to play. What we have found, and this is thanks to the TGA and information released from them, with all of the medicines, the amount of cannabis medicines prescribed over the last few years, the latest data showed that, yeah, mental health, and particularly anxiety, was the second biggest condition that cannabis medicines were actually prescribed for. And it really goes to show that the stigma that was there with cannabis as a medicine has really started to um, deteriorate and be accepted as a mainstream medicine because, yeah, to have sort of 14, 15% of all prescriptions for mental health or anxiety in particular, it's, it's, it's massive. Why should people hit the share market and get involved? Oh, look, it's just such a growing space. And without a doubt, there's more research and development that's needed, but it is such a emerging and, and um, uh, exciting industry. And Australia is right at the forefront, not only just in cannabis medicines, but now psychedelics as well, which the TGA have just downscheduled. So there is so much exciting um, work happening from Australia that's putting us on the world map. And to think that, you know, the rest of the world are benefiting from Australian-grown cannabis medicines and the research that we're doing here, yeah, is extraordinary. So I think it's just the beginning of the cannabis experience. I think you are extraordinary. It's a wonderful journey, and you've shared it with uh, our listeners on the podcast, and I'm sure we'll get a great reaction. Fleeta Solomon, we appreciate your time on the ASX Market Goss. Um, Good luck with the horse. Good luck with the future and thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. A thrill to be here. And St Hilda's would be very proud of you right now. (laughs) Sorry, St Hilda's. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed our chat with Fleeta Solomon, Managing Director of Little Green Farmer. In our next edition of ASX Market Goss, I'll be providing you with another rare insight into an executive leading one of the companies you might be invested in to get the goss on what makes them tick and why they do what they do. Don't forget you can follow us on a variety of platforms, ASX Market Goss on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok and rss.com. Like us, make a comment, give us your feedback. The content of this podcast is intended to be general in nature and is not personal financial product advice. It does not address the circumstances of any individual or entity. You should not construe any of this information or other part of the material as legal, tax, investment, financial or other professional advice. ASX Market Goss and its employees are not financial advisors. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, taxation or other advice to check how any information relates to your unique circumstances. Nothing contained in this podcast constitutes a solicitation, 
recommendation, endorsement, or offer by ASX Market Goss or any third party to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in this or any other jurisdiction in which such solicitation or offer would be unlawful under the securities laws of such jurisdiction.